Always good to be back in the place where one belongs. Um, grab your Bible now and open with me to um, Luke chapter 12. And let me read uh, 10 verses of that chapter to you. And while we're thumbing to find it, um, don't miss tonight. It's a, a classy church picnic, I think Jonathan said. I, I agree. The food is all there. It's five bucks. It's, um, it's a lot of people, a lot of things for your kids to do. There's horse rides. There's all kinds of things. So come, let your kids enjoy it, and us enjoy being a part of a church family. That's what we are. We're a family. Now, also, under intense pressure, I have buckled once again. Um, if you're interested in hearing kind of some things that uh, took place in the last three weeks while we were in Persia, um, I will do something Wednesday night. So um, it will not be taped because some of the things that need, will be said um, could end up harming where we were. So if you're interested in hearing, we'll do it Wednesday night and that'll, uh, that'll be the end of that. Okay. Now, follow as I read the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 12. They read like this. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another... He began to say to his disciples first, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, I want to speak to you this morning about the accomplishment of the Great Commission. Uh, It's a rather appropriate topic, don't you think, Uh, on a missions Sunday, the commission to spread the gospel to all the world. Uh, I may bore you to tears, but um, at least I'll be appropriate My wife loves it when I'm appropriate, so um, appropriate at least I will be. But um, also, I plan to be a bit autobiographical, Um, and I uh, you'll understand as we get going. But specifically, I wanted to speak to you this morning about hindrances, barriers, obstacles to the accomplishment of the Great Commission. Now. First of all, understand me, I, I, I speak from a purely human perspective. 
That is, the Lord God reigns, he always has, he always will. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto Jesus Christ. Um, But it is that Jesus who has given to us this thing that has come to be known as the Great Commission. Um, And there is so much left to be done. So, what's the problem? What are the obstacles? What are the barriers um, to our accomplishing the Great Commission? Guys, I could probably uh, come up with a long list. Uh, We could talk about uh, manpower. We could talk about uh, money. We could talk about disunity in the Christian church. Um, But I'm not going to talk about any of those things. Aren't you glad I'm not going to talk about money? (laughs) Uh, Except that $14,000 deficit in the bulletin, which alarms me. But but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what I think is the... uh, If it's not the chief barrier, it's certainly in the top three. And it is fear. Fear. You know, back in the depth of the Depression, um, 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was running against Herbert Hoover, and um, he made this, um, this very famous statement that some of you have heard before, and he said, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. Well, that, that's a wonderful-sounding campaign slogan, and, um, but with all due respect, I, I can think of lots of things to fear. I mean, we got all kinds of fears, uh, guys, and, and our God has this uncanny knack of asking us to do things that scare us. He comes to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to go over to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, and Moses, oh, I can't do that. I mean, I can't speak. I'm very afraid of public speaking. I have no tongue in you know, um, it, it, it seems like God is, um, he, he does this on purpose. He asks us to do things that, that scare us. And, and I'm suggesting that because we're afraid, one of the great obstacles in our involvement in the Great Commission that we're afraid. And I don't think that's really too hard to prove from the New Testament. Um, You know the story in Matthew 14 where uh, the big storm, the disciples are in the boat and Jesus comes walking and and they are scared and and Peter says, um, um, Lord, can I come to you? And uh, Jesus says, come on. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he walks a couple of steps and then he gets all afraid about the the winds and the waves and he sinks and Jesus grabs him. And we, we're real hard on Peter for, for having sunk, but you know, you got to remember there were 11 other disciples and they never left the boat. It's a whole lot safer in that boat. And I can't get out there because I'm afraid of what's out there. I'll tell you what's out there. Jesus is out there. That's where Jesus is, out there in the water. And I, and I want you to know there is a cost to staying in that boat. Um, as we while away precious hours in our lazy boys, 
the soul shrivels. Oh, guys, there are, there are lots of things to fear. And, and uh, whatever they are, I mean, we fear uh, the heights and we fear uh, snakes and we fear uh, rejection and we fear commitment and we fear Muslims. But whatever the fear is, they, they all have this in common. They paralyze us. <laughs> they tend to keep us up at night, make our palms sweat. And they convince us that the best place to be is in the boat. Don't get out there. Yeah, you know, you might, you might get hurt out there. You know, I would even go so far as to say that underneath all of our, most, much of our sin is fear. Why do we lie? Because we are afraid that somebody might find out the truth about us. And whatever the fear, whatever yours is, it, it has this, it holds us artificially in this pseudo bondage so that involvement in something risky. Nope. It's not going to do it. Now, guys, here's where things get a little bit autobiographical because here's what I want to do this morning I want to tell you about one of mine, fears, that is. I want to tell you about mine. And it's not so that I can talk about me, it's so that maybe you can learn, uh, maybe we all can learn some lessons from Jimmy's failures. Um, so, so that's the goal, is to tell you about one of my fears, so that, uh, and then, then uh, uh, discuss a, a solution, so that we can clean that off the table, and get on with the accomplishment of the Great Commission. Let me tell you about one of my fears. One of my fears is not that I'm afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. And it's not because I'm some super saint. I'm not afraid to die because I'm 70. You know, I mean, if you're young and you have a fear of dying, I get it. I understand. It's uh, maybe one of the things that paralyzes you. But my fear is not the fear of dying. Let me, my, my fear is, is the fear of torture, <clears throat> of being tortured. I, you know, guys, I would make a... I'd make a good martyr for Christ. But I would make a terrible torturee. Um, and that was the fear that we took, or at least I took, to Persia with me. And to make matters worse, underneath that fear is another one related to that one that were I some way tortured, that I would renounce Christ and thus be lost forever. So we're going to talk about mine. So that maybe you can use yours, find a little solution here in the text in a minute, and and, um, maybe we can... Clear away some of that stuff so that we can get about the business of accomplishing the Great Commission. Um, <clears throat> so we're just going to use my, my fear as an illustration of fears, okay? So let me tell you, let me give you a play-by-play of, uh, of my fear. It all started back in March when we first got the invitation to go to this place 
um, in the land of Esther. Um, I was invited to teach the five solas, and, and I remember telling Susie that um, I was invited, and she said, well, I guess I better go pack the bags, because we knew that this was something that God, or we sensed that it was something that God was, uh, would have us do. But we had discussions, a couple of them, I think, about martyrdom. <laughs> I mean, after the invitation came, we said yes. Then we had a couple of discussions about what, what, what would happen. What should we do? <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then, back in June, when we were in Baku, Azerbaijan, I got a, an email from Ronnie Stevens uh, who said, Jimmy, I, I, I feel like I owe you this. You need to know at least that the director of the, the school at which you will be teaching is under a serious death threat. And then <clears throat> um, we get on a plane um, and head across the big pond um, and, you know, you've you got all these hours in front of you, and they're just, just boring. So you're looking for a movie that maybe you can watch that, you know, will eat up some of the hours. And so I'm running through the list of the movies, and um, I see this movie with Liam Neeson in it. Now, I, I, I've loved Liam Neeson ever since Schindler's List 15 years ago. But he was also in that movie Taken, you know, which was kind of a scary movie, and then they came out with a sequel to it. But I've always kind of liked Liam Neeson, so I saw his name, and I thought, well, you know, I'll look at that one. So, you know, I punched the little button, and, and here comes the movie. It was a Martin Scorsese movie, um, who is no friend of Orthodox Christianity, but uh, the, the title of the movie was Silence. It came out in December of 2016, so it's a, <clears throat> it's a current movie. It, it starred a guy by the name of Andrew Garfield, who, is, uh, who was the, the star of uh, Hacksaw Ridge, if you saw that. Anyway, this movie, Silence, was the story about two Portuguese Roman Catholic missionaries that went to Japan in the 1600s, Nagasaki, Japan, to find one of their friends who they had heard had renounced Christ in Japan. Hmm. My fear. Well, anyway, so they, they go to Nagasaki, these two missionaries, and, um, and they end up watching scores of people tortured um, by the Japanese. And these savages would take a, um, a ceramic tile and put it in the, the ground in front of them and it had the figure of Jesus on this ceramic tile. And they were told, all you have to do is step on that ceramic tile, step on Jesus, and we'll let you go. I told Susie to watch the movie and she started watching it. And she turned it off because it was too upsetting. I wish I had turned it off, but I didn't. <clears throat> and then, then the, the crowning blow <laughs> to my fear. 
I taught for five hours a day from Monday to Friday on the five solas, the, the summary of the reformational faith. Um, <clears throat> I uh, taught, I don't know, three, four sections a day. I, I don't know. It was from 8.30 to 1.30, sometimes two. Um, and, and on Thursday, the, the, uh, uh, the, right before my last session of teaching, the, uh, the, the director of the school, this little Bible college that's in Persia, he comes in and he starts talking to the, to the students. And he's talking in a language that I don't know. I don't know a word he's saying. Not one word that I recognize. And he's talking to them for about 10 minutes. And I'm watching the students. I'm sitting up front. And, and I'm watching the students and they're going, oh. <clears throat> I mean, there were some women in the, the men weren't doing that, but the, there were some women in, the, in the, 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 the students, women students. And they were, and about 10 minutes into it, he, he turned over to me and he said, we've had some serious threats from some hooligans outside. And then he turned, and I said to him, I said, well, these students, they need you more than they need information from me. You go ahead. So he did. For about an hour, they spoke in the language, and a couple of the women started crying. There was shock. There was amazement. There was fear. There was, then they erupted in an exchange of what to do. I guess they were talking about what to do. <laughs> All I had was the information there, we've had some serious threats from some hooligans outside. And I'm sitting right next to the window thinking a van full of ISIS terrorists are about to drive up and, and um, shoot some RPGs through the window. And I was all right with that. Susie was not in the building. She was out shopping for some church supplies and with an elder in the church. She was safer on the street than we were in the building. But I was all right because I figured, well, at least they won't torture me. And it was at that moment that I came to the conclusion, or the thought occurred to me, that one of the chief obstacles to accomplishing the Great Commission is fear. Fear keeps us home. Fear keeps us in the boat. Fear keeps us uninvolved. Because were I to get out there, if I get out of that boat and get out there, you know, out there, over there, you know, there, I'll make it hurt. Yeah, you might. As it turned out, the threat was real, but it was, a, it was, a, it was only a couple of men, and a, you know, two men can do a whole lot of damage. It was only two men. Um, but I didn't know any of that. While I was sitting there listening to this language that I knew nothing about. Um, but that's when I, as I said, had the thought that one of the reasons that the people of God are aren't involved is that they're afraid.
So how do we address our fears? I've just told you about mine. I don't know what yours are. They're probably different from mine. But how do we address them? Well, why don't we look at the Bible? That's a, that's a good place to start. Because I want to suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the answer is in this text. <clears throat> it always is. I mean, it's always in the text. But do you notice what's going on here, guys? Um, b- before we get to Luke 12, let me tell you this quickie story. When we left that country and went to Baku, I think maybe you knew that we spent nine days in Baku. Um, Baku, Azerbaijan, is a place of relative safety. I, I would say it's real safety. But the first morning that I had my time with the Lord, my, my time with the Lord that morning was in Esther 1 and 2. The book of Esther, chapters 1 and 2. Now, you know that story. The king, Azurhurus, has this big party. He invites all his friends. He wants his wife to show up so he can show her his beautiful wife off. She refuses to come. She is deposed. They have a beauty contest to pick a new queen. They pick Esther. She becomes the new queen. Esther is a young woman who was raised by her uncle Mordecai. And Mordecai says to his niece, Hey, uh, now that you're queen, don't tell him you're a Jew. Why did he tell her that? Because he was afraid. And by the way, what's a, Persia, what's a Jew doing in Persia anyway? They were set free 50 years ago. But you see, for Mordecai, things were safer in the boat. But having read that, then I'm, I'm caught up in a mission to figure something out from the Scriptures. And I came to Luke 12. And it includes a lot of stuff, including a discussion of the unpardonable sin, which was, you know, kind of, sort of, my fear. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, if I just stay in the United States, I'm less likely to commit this. So my fear can paralyze me. Like yours does. And then I thought of Peter. (laughs) Peter, do you remember what he did? Peter, Peter did what I was afraid of doing. He denied Christ three times, cursed him. And, and, you know, not as bad as Peter, but the other ten guys, Judas is gone, but the other ten guys, they ran like scared puppies. You remember James and John, uh, the sons of thunder. Ah, yeah, boy, we're related. You know, when the, when the heat gets turned up, they ran. Why? Because they were afraid. Now, there's two things I want you to see in this text. First of all, I want you to make sure that you understand the unpardonable sin. Gang, do you notice this text opens with Jesus speaking to thousands of people. They're trampling on one another. And he makes one of the most enigmatic, debated, misunderstood statements in all of his ministry. Look at verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10. You've got to see this, ladies and gentlemen, in verses 8 through 10. 
Jesus makes a key distinction between blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which is unpardonable, and the lesser case of speaking in a dishonorable way against the Son of Man. He says if you, if you, if you say some dishonorable things about the Son of Man, maybe brought on by fear, maybe even brought on by torture, that will be forgiven. But not if you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Now what's that? Gang, <clears throat> the unpardonable sin is the flagrant, willful, deliberate, persistent, determined, stubborn, informed rejection of Jesus Christ as given witness to by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that distinction? Because once I, I saw that, then my fear... I, I, I'm not doing that. I would never do that. And by the way, if I could take this just one step further, if you've ever wondered that back in your college pagan days, you know, you, you said some things and maybe you committed the unpardonable sin, let me just say, let me, let me, let me tell you this. The fact that you are worried that you committed it is evidence that you didn't. Because the unpardonable sin is this determined, deliberate, persistent, willful, educated rejection. <clears throat> you see, what Peter did was awful. But it was not the unpardonable sin. And by the way, you remember, he's the one that walked on water too, you know? But he was so flawed, so broken, and his fear got the best of him. Now, gang, I'm not trying to encourage you to, to take this lightly or to encourage you to say unflattering things about the Savior. I'm not trying to do any of that, but I am trying to show you what the unpardonable sin is. At least that's one thing I'm trying to do. And that fear that I had needed to be corrected by the scriptures. By the way, in the movie, in the movie, the last scene, and, and by the way, it's based on a book, and I, this is not Martin Scorsese, I don't think. Maybe it's the author, but in the movie, the last scene, the, the Roman Catholic priest that goes over there, he, he renounces the faith. And, um, but it's a, the last scene is his funeral and the camera takes you inside his casket and there he is lying in the casket and he's clutching a picture of Jesus now I don't know what the message was but I I, I want to think it was something like this the message of the book was you, you remember that story about the mother who brings her little three-year-old to church and she kept standing up and mother kept pulling her down and standing up and pulling her down and finally the mother said you sit right there and don't you get up again and the little girl looks at her mother and says Mother, on the outside I may be sitting, but on the inside I'm standing. Ladies and gentlemen, if one day you hear that I have been martyred by terrorists, I want you to know something. On the inside of my casket, 
I'll be clutching Jesus. The unpardonable sin is not something that you and I could ever commit. You got that? All right. Now, secondly, what is the solution for our fears? It's right here. Jesus says, you know what you do? You're so afraid of men. Don't be afraid of them. I'll tell you so. If you want to, no, I'll tell you who to fear. Guys, um, um, psychology tells us the way that you deal with your fears is that you face your fears. No, 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 no. That's not what the text is. The text doesn't say face your fears. It says replace them. You know, the Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. Boy, does it ever. We're scared to death that people will frown at us. It's a snare. And the way we get beyond that is to replace that one, that fear of man with the fear of God. That's, that's the solution, ladies and gentlemen. The thing that is holding us in bondage was there way, we're way too concerned about the opinions of people than we are the opinions of God. What I'm trying to do is to help you get beyond your fear so that we can get on with the accomplishment of the Great Commission because I think the thing that keeps you in the boat is fear. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what the number one selling chair in America is? It's the lazy boy. It's not the risky boy. It's not the working boy. It's the lazy boy. And do you know what keeps you in that lazy boy? Fear. And I'm trying to help you get over it. You know, guys, um, the number one complaint of children and retirees is that they're bored. You deserve to be bored. If you're going to let your fears lock you into a lazy boy. I thought this was so funny. Guys, I'm not guaranteeing you that once you get out of the lazy boy, there will be no pain awaiting you. It was scary sitting next to that window for an hour. But at least I wasn't going to be tortured. But I read this by Eileen Gouda, whoever she is. She said, you can live on bland food so as to avoid an ulcer, drink no tea, coffee, or other stimulants in the name of health. Go to bed early, stay away from the nightlife, avoid all controversial subjects so as to never give an offense, mind your own business, avoid involvement in other people's problems, spend money only on necessities and save all you can. And then you can still break your neck in the bathtub and it will serve you right. You know, guys, years ago, um, my wife, who is really kind of the mother of, of missions, uh, at least local missions in Gracie Bay. And she's developed quite a sweet relationship with Joanne and Effie Ballard. And um, 
Joanne said to her one time, and we, we say it to each other a lot. It's not very good English, but she said it like this. She said, you can't do nothing. can't do nothing but some of you have found a way to do nothing and one of the things that keeps you doing nothing is because you're afraid well I'm telling you the solution's right there in Luke 12 when I became a Christian in 1970 my hero was Jim Kennedy if you know anything about evangelism explosion Jim Kennedy is um the author of Evangelism Explosion. Anyway, he told this story one time from the pulpit, and I think I've told it here two or three times, but it's a good story. I'm going to tell it again. It's a story about a, a, a very serious storm that uh, popped up off the coast of New England, and a uh, distress signal came into a Coast Guard location uh, of a boat that was in trouble. Mayday, mayday, we need help, we need help. So the boats were manned, and, and they, uh, they sought to get out to the boat that was in trouble, and <clears throat> they, um, the winds were blowing so hard and the waves were so big they, they couldn't, the boats wouldn't even get out there and so they, they turned around and came back and they thought well we wait 20 minutes or so maybe the, the waves will subside and we can get out there and help the boat so they came back in and they, they, they waited 20 minutes and then finally the, the, uh, the command came from the captain man the boats one of the underlings came up to the captain and said sir the winds have not subsided. They've, they've gotten bigger, if anything. The waves are, are worse. If we could possibly even get out there, which we probably can't, we could never get back. The captain said, Bosun, we have to go. We don't have to get back. we can't do nothing my brother and sister in Christ you can't do nothing got to go. We don't have to get back. Our Father, I pray that you will use these vain babblings of mine to arrest some of the fears of your people, that they might be able to set those aside and find themselves free to go do far more than they ever dreamed or thought. Pray that you will forgive us, that um, we find the safety of the boat very appealing and thus um, leave the responsibilities of the Great Commission undone. So would you, um, would you set us free from our, our own artificial fears and would you um, show us, would you show us where you want us and what you want us doing for the rest of our lives between today 
And the day we die, we're going to give our lives to something. So many of us in this room want to give our lives to this. Help us. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.